Hey everyone, welcome to Experientially Speaking, a podcast from Red Peg Market. I'm Chris Gehring, and on the other side of the break, I'll be joined by my Red Peg colleague, Rebecca Farace, for our latest edition of Taking the Pulse. We'll talk about three articles from our Pulse newsletter with a focus on how brands, venues, and more are bridging the gap between the physical world and the metaverse. One more piece of housekeeping, I want to quickly remind you to make sure you subscribe to the Experientially Speaking podcast wherever you're listening, and if you like the show, please leave us a rating and some comments. As always, links to the articles we reference in this show will be in the show notes. Without further ado, let's get to our conversation. All right, welcome back to the show. We have a small crew today. It is me, Chris Gehring, and Rebecca Farache. Rebecca, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Welcome. It's been a while. We've, we're sitting down. We're finally getting back to taking the pulse. We're excited to talk through three different articles that have been featured in our Pulse newsletter recently. Um, some really interesting ones, both in digital applications to physical marketing mm-hmm. and some digital first applications that are turning to brick and mortar yep. stores and in-person opportunities, which I think is really interesting. We'll talk about some NFTs in between. We'll talk about the NBA in between. But a good mix of how crypto, the blockchain, other digital applications are being used to fuel in-person experiences. I think that's a good broad way to introduce these three articles. And I'll let you take it away with the first one we have from Adweek. But just to set the stage, we're, we're <laughs> kind of we're figuring out and we're thinking through how brands, uh, venues, leagues, etc., are using kind of this Web three weird tech space. It's emerging, but not really emerging anymore. That's right. Yeah, I think it's it all. It's like it's constantly emerging, but it feels like it's been around forever. forever. Yep. And so now it's it's finding de- decent and different applications beyond just like owning collectibles, which we'll get to in a second. We will. But um, (laughs) finding ways that these things and the technology can actually enable people to still get together and and be in person. Yes. So with that, Rebecca, I'll let you take it from there. All right, let's dive into the first article. So it's actually involving in the space of art, which is really fun because we'll switch from arts to sports very shortly. But Broadway actually used AR to get people into theaters. So this article basically talks about the Broadway League. And as we all know, after COVID, lots of people are really hesitant to go into theaters and any closed type of space. And one of the major places in the world that suffered from this was New York, Broadway specifically. So they were trying to find a fun, attractive way to get people into the theater. And what they actually did was embed AR within paid ads. So we all know paid ads, we get them all the time on Instagram and basically any social platform that you are a part of. What they did basically was, we know what's gonna happen, let's engage them. So they took what you would normally use on Snapchat, which is just a filter with something happening, and made it into something really extravagant. And what really was cool about this is that they saw a lot of amazing results. So 90% of the people who the ads went who had the ads actually went to interact with the AR experience. It wasn't something they slid over or just moved past. They actually engaged with the experience because it was more than just going to a typical website. Over 750 hours of interaction on those specific ads 
in comparison to the 22% of people who shared the filter itself, right? So they had a lot of engagement, a lot of people were actually on the app doing something with it and seeing what the experience was. And from those people actually sharing that filter with everybody else. So this is seven times the industry average, which is super huge when you look at it in the scale of things. So finally, of those engaging with what was the experience called the holiday snow globe, 4% went through to actually buying tickets for the specific show in the globe. So overall, they were trying to get people in there, decided to go a very complicated way and saw major benefits by looking into how to apply this new technology that really doesn't get put into ads and seeing how that played into it. So really cool development overall, seeing AR start integrating in something that people get paid to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, we've seen a lot of ways in which AR has been utilized to help people make content for themselves. Yep. Like it's so, it's so ingrained now in our Snapchat experiences, in our Instagram experiences, um, certainly in other like shopping senses where you can try glasses on online, for example, using AR. Things like that have made a lot of sense as in terms of just like practical applications for people that are shopping in a digital world or or I should say like trying to create in a digital world, Mm -hmm. but kind of putting people into the ad and using that as a mechanism to drive people through and having it not be the end, like yep. having the piece of that content not be the end of the funnel right. is really unique. And I, and I think, I guess on one hand, you could, you, we could all say it's only been a matter of time until that happens. Right. But finding ways to do it, and I think you know, what the Broadway League did here is, is a great blueprint for a lot of other, you know, we mentioned at the very, very top, mm-hmm. venues, um, you know, there are so many sports and entertainment applications to all of these things where you know, there's there's been for years these like seat viewers or like you know find what it'll look like from mm-hmm. X seat and it's just been you know you're in a you get you click into a photograph and you get some idea yeah but I think AR and some of these more rich virtual experiences are going to allow brands companies venues. Um, festivals to start to really give more rich experiences to consumers I think once you once you enable that you unlock a whole new world of of earning potential of people going through and and actually making purchase purchases excuse me um, getting to the end of the line 100 percent. and like you mentioned there's already apps that exist like ikea lets you put your furniture in your room whatever but it's never been something that's integrated with your shopping experience in the form of an ad which makes this whole aspect of what they did really exciting and new and one of the best quotes that we actually found in the article actually says ar ads with the level of scale possible today with the ability for consumers to self-personalize their own experience even without ID-based targeting, are becoming integral to privacy-forward campaigns at just the right time. As we all know, the death of cookies has been pushed back, but it's bound to happen. Privacy is super big, but we always want to personalize experiences, and AR gives you the ability to do so because you're in your own space. You are you when you put the glasses on, you see it on yourself. So really exciting application, and really interested to see how Facebook meta specifically looks to apply this in their world as well as they move towards the metaverse absolutely it's 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 certainly it feels like we 
every time we turn to one of these articles or every time we read about where AR is, where the metaverse is, we're, we're, we've been on the tip of the iceberg, I feel like, and I think there's going to be a lot of different ways where these experiences that are already incredibly helpful yep. really start to become like, kind of like a, for lack of a better term, truly like a 360 experience for consumers and seeing the brands that are able to get it done first yes is going to be both fascinating and i think informative to like you know people that will come come next and and kind of as this technology hits the mainstream it's going to raise the bar for what's necessary to to market to people in in this day and age so a really interesting article again we can we'll, we'll call out here that of course all these links will be in the show notes you can take a look um, this one from Ad from Ad Week, like we said, the Broadway League. Make sure that you read through some really good stuff and um, some really good thought starters on how any brand, regardless of what the product is, what the service is, uh, is you know, can take some pieces from what the Broadway League did here. Yeah. So moving on to a league that is familiar to very familiar to at least one half of this podcast, <laughs> um, talking about the NBA. This, this article comes from Fast Company. It's talking about the NBA's bet on Web3 in general. And, and there are a few famous ways that they've, they've made this leap into the metaverse. One of which, maybe the most, maybe the primary one being NBA Top Shot, which is a NFT marketplace. Fans can buy, sell, trade, collect digital moments that they see on TV, they see on YouTube, Twitter, etc. Moments that go viral turn into actual moments on the blockchain you can purchase at NBA Top Shot. They are supercharged basketball cards for the for the uninitiated, I, I could say. Um, and they've had a ton of success in in their first year in existence, less than their less than their first year of existence. They've eclipsed seven hundred million dollars in sales. It's really, really impressive. Dapper Labs, the the broader company that, that holds NBA Top Shot, is valued already at billions of dollars. And so, not surprisingly, the NBA has jumped in early on something like this. We've yeah. seen other sports leagues jump since. Um, there are soccer NFTs. There are um, NFL NFTs. Yes similar to Top Shot, also under the Dapper umbrella. Um, but what's interesting here is that the the Web3 projects that the NBA has invested in are broad, and their athletes are getting in, involved as well. Of course, they're not unique in that sense. There are athletes, <laughs> there are athletes across the spectrum that are getting involved here. Um, but the NBA leading the way and having some of its players really be at the forefront of not only NFTs as collectibles, but also the crypto space broadly. We've seen Steph Curry in crypto ads. We've seen Spencer Dinwiddie, um, uh, a huge crypto uh, enthusiast, I yes. should say, yes. um, but also investor, um, invest in platforms, invest in social tokens, all of those things. And so the NBA is making a big bet. I think it's a, I think it's a smart one. The collectible sense, even if if NFTs and the blockchain seems like a foreign concept, the idea of being able to collect highlights and moments from mm-hmm. um, players, to me, that seems more tangible. It seems like a, a gateway to the, the space. And I think what's next and what we've seen 
these these platforms do, Topshop being one of them, is lining up experiences to go with the ownership of these moments, finding ways to bring people together at things like NBA games, providing um, unique experiences to people who maybe have a LeBron James NFT, we'll just take it, and maybe that leads you to a chance to meet LeBron. Maybe it leads you to a chance to go to a Lakers game. Um, So there's all kinds of applications in which these NFTs, they lean heavy on the token part of it, being essentially a ticket in, a a, a way through the gateway to more in-person experiences. Um, We've seen NFTs be applied to like fantasy sports. So... They, these these assets provide a really unique opportunity for leaks to tap into another market, truly create a new market out of thin air and a new revenue stream, mm-hmm. um, all the while, of course, holding on to those precious licensing rights, um, highlights rights, you know, rights to um, navigating all the space of who owns the, the clips and the marks and um, all of these different things that the NBA has to to keep in mind when it's using its its image and likeness so it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on we'll we'll continue to watch as things beyond the sports world go into nfts and um, try to kind of reach scale Mm -hmm. in terms of people that are active on the platform collecting actively Um, but it's an interesting step and i don't think we're surprised that the nba is is heavily invested. Not at all. I think what I found really interesting in this article specifically was that they mentioned several times that the NBA and their players have been the ones to really dive in deep. Like, all the other leagues have some level of, like, resistance to it, but as you can see, like, a bunch of NBA players are getting involved. I saw a reference from one of the players that they interviewed saying that locker room talk was about other things, and now it's like, what investments are you making in the digital space? What crypto, NFTs? So it's it's really crazy to see, like, you're always wondering, like, future of partnerships and collaborations, but it looks like the NBA has been the first to really absorb this concept of the Web3. So seeing how that's going to affect things in the future with not just the league but the players themselves because of the flexibility they have as being part of the NBA and like being able to share their voice without getting punished for it a lot of exciting things could come out of it and for example recently another article we covered was how Under Armour's Curry brand shoes are taking off into the metaverse so they did a whole series about these shoes it went viral people were just like what is going on so A lot of things are growing, not just for the league itself, but within the players. So a lot of opportunities for brands to get involved, just like Under Armour did, in a way that leverages the players, while also tying back to the league's openness to these new partnerships. Yeah, and I I think, speaking from my position as a avid NBA 2K gamer, (laughs) and some of the ways that you, you don't think of the metaverse exactly as some of the some of the game modes in NBA 2K, but the groundwork for how people think about gaining these different tokens, gaining Steph Curry's shoes in a, in the metaverse, it's similar to how fans of the NBA and other sports have kind of grown into the modern day of, of video gaming. It's yes. not always just playing with your favorite team and playing on the court in the arena that you know that you used to go you're used to going to and seeing on TV. It's customizing your character in the game mm-hmm. it's getting different shoes shorts jerseys um jewelry headbands hats yep. 
for that for your character and all those things apply to the metaverse and so i think the nba recognizes here there's an opportunity with their fans Mm -hmm. it's not a big leap to to have fans you know really buy into the metaverse and um all these different applications that they've invested in and i think it's it's a natural next step makes a lot of sense and i think some of the early success of something like Dev Labs is a testament to, to the potential that's there and probably is, again, probably just scratching the surface if we take a longer 10, 20 year view of, of where things will be in the digital space. 100%. And speaking of scratching the surface. <laughs> yes, we love a good segue. <laughs> so Solana's actually done something very interesting. The name of this article is Crypto Project Solana is opening a store in New York City. So you can take a look inside and see what it's about. So for those of you who don't know, Solana is a faster alternative to the Ethereum blockchain and offers smart contracts that power NFTs and various decentralized applications. So the concept of it is, is basically it lives on web. We all know that because now that we have context, we know. Well, the funny thing is, is they decided to go brick and mortar, which is very counterintuitive nowadays with everybody going digital. But they saw major potential in it. So if you're in New York City and you're by Hudson Yards, you can definitely swing by. Apparently, it feels like an upscale retail store, but it's all cryptocurrency themed. So it has an NFT gallery highlighting, obviously, as everyone knows, the Ape Academy collection they hold, as we all know, very highly regarded in that community. So they have that presented across their walls to show, obviously, their status in this space. The store itself houses interactive installations, visualizing what's actually happening on the chain so people can actually understand real time what it's like to be in the space, what are the transactions, what is minted, etc. And they also have various stations aimed at onboarding people into the crypto space. So whether that's a private booth where you can go set up your Phantom wallet or write down your seed phrase, I don't know what that is, but apparently it's a secret chain of words that acts as a pin. And you can also do tutorials on the platform, play to earn app games, use Magic Eden. Again, my lack of knowledge here is very prevalent. <laughs> and you can check out Salona Saga, and which is basically their Web3 mobile phone. So also interesting. I've never heard of a mobile phone aimed at Web3, but they're clearly trying to expand their product range while you're in there. And of course, they have merch yeah. that you can buy. <laughs> I mean, that's the key of right? a brick and mortar store. Right? You have to go be able to go in and buy something buy physical. Always. Um, and buy some merch. So, I, But I, I think this is an an interesting way to wrap up this show in the sense that I think the way that Web3 has been marketed to date is that, and the way that you'll see like, you know, meta roll it out and videos of Mark Zuckerberg being in this, in this world, the way you've seen it presented so far, I think certainly applications are out there and, and that side of it will continue to evolve. But the other side is creating a sense of membership and ownership in these different clubs and communities and uh, groups of people that are like-minded, that have similar interests, and then still bringing them together in some way. And this this Solana installation store in New York is a perfect example of that. It's There's still a, a way to arrive as your human self yes. in a place and, and, and learn more talk to people about it if you if you already love the product if you already love what they're about and what they have to offer great you can probably walk in and there's a there's probably a richer experience for you there 
But there's also the education piece that I think has probably been lost and probably is something that is important for 99... I can speak for yes, myself. same. <laughs> important for, for 99% of, of the population still is that there's a huge education gap on what this all means and, and why you should maybe be interested in it mm-hmm. um, or at least why you should know about it and, and understand what's going on and uh, the advances, the, the innovation that's taking place. So it's a great way to wrap it up and understand that sometimes it still pays to be able to go in person and, and experience something, even if the product is very much digitally native. A hundred percent. And then, like just having those education centers within that store and getting people who like probably don't even know what it is, but like, wow, cool, pretty store, go inside. And then you're like, whoa, maybe I do want to get involved in NFTs. It's a great way to get those people that definitely have some sort of resistance as we always deal with in any space. People are resistant to change. It's scary. Why is Mark Zuckerberg talking to me as a cartoon character? You know, there's people out there that don't necessarily want that experience. So by giving them a physical location and making it interactive, feel safe and welcoming is super important. So remembering that experiential doesn't just stick in digital. It's important that there's always a physical aspect of some sorts because you never know who's looking or talking um, because you know, everyone has a different experience and wants it differently. So it's a really great way of, yes, NBA and Broadway are doing their thing online and doing really great things, but seven-minute physical is still important. Yeah, 100%. The NBA's product is still very much something that thousands of people go to and attend and watch in person. And so it's, it's ways Broadway. to expand that reach, um, reach new scale, and really engage people on a higher level and in a more... Um, 360 degree level you know it, it's it's interesting to me how it all circles back to really basic principles that we talk about every day in marketing agencies is that you need to create different touch points with consumers along their journey mm-hmm. and you have to do it in a lot of different ways and web3 nfts all these things are you know they are they are new and they are probably scary to a lot of people but at the end of the day they're, they're new touch points to, to mm-hmm. engage people, to create fanatics, and, and, and really get people to buy into a product, a service, a brand. So how it continues to evolve, we will certainly be watching and waiting with bated breath. Um, but I think that's a good place to end it. And uh, Rebecca, thanks for jumping on. And of course. We'll talk to everybody next time. That'll do it for this week's episode of Experientially Speaking. Thanks again to Rebecca. Please subscribe to Experientially Speaking wherever you're listening and subscribe to our weekly Pulse newsletter on redpeg.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk again very soon.